Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. It is Thursday. We are live. We got some storylines for you. Slam Diego is out in full force. We got buy or sell trivia, pick to click. This is going to be a lot of fun. Let's get to it. It's a blowout. It's a high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What's up, my friends? This is going to be a lot of fun. I always love the Thursday episode because there's fan questions. We're doing it live. The energy's high because the energy's always high, to be honest with you. But this episode's going to be fun because we're going to start by talking about the San Diego Padres. And speaking of high energy, Wednesday night in San Diego, Juan Soto made his debut, but so did Josh Bell, Brandon Drury. It was just absolutely electric there in San Diego. And I know I say that term a lot, but it was truly, the place was packed. There wasn't an empty seat in the house. There was a line out the door two hours before the game started. I mean, this place was unlike anything I've ever seen before. And Don Orsillo, not anything I've ever seen before, but this year, Don Orsillo said himself, I haven't seen it this loud all year long. This is by far the loudest I've seen it. And that was before the game with Juan Soto literally walking out there to jog and do some stretches. The place was already on their feet. So it was a lot of fun to watch them. Juan Soto made his debut. First inning, he gets up to the plate and he walked because, of course, Juan Soto walked in his first at bat as a Padre. Josh Bell walked as well. Brandon Drury in his first at bat, the one that nobody really talks about. Already, Josh Bell wasn't talked about enough in San Diego. Next up, Brandon Drury. Nobody was talking about him at, at all. But in his first at bat, as a San Diego Padre, he hits a grand slam to left field. The place was going wild. Slam Diego was out in full force, and the Padres are officially a force to be reckoned with. We knew they were good, but were they going to be this good? And look, I don't want to overreact to a one game on a Wednesday night against the Padres because overreacting is not in my nature, nor is being dramatic. But I did tweet this. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, and I certainly don't want to be overdramatic because it's just one game against the Rockies, but the new-look Padres are the greatest team of all time. I think... I think <laughs> Taylor is out here to join me. Noted. San Diego Padre fan, and is that an overreaction? Yes or no? Uh, I don't detect any lies there. I think it's all factual. <laughs> that is all factual. So it was just a lot of fun. And and first game, all those prospects gone, new players in. Do you think anybody in that stadium last night was thinking, "Man, we gave up a lot of we gave up a lot of people to make this happen," or is it just this team's a lot of fun? Let's go win a championship. It's a lot of fun. As a Padres fan, last night was. Really fun. I don't think anyone cares what Mackenzie Gore is doing right now because we have Juan Soto. So Exactly my point. Teams, when you're ready to win, just go for it. The result is great. A packed stadium on a Wednesday night in San Diego. I mean, it was just a lot of fun to watch. For, for reference, let me explain how much fun this game was to watch. Shohei Otani started on the mound last night for the Angels. I watched the Padres game over the Angels game. That might surprise a lot of people. And to be fair, I had it up on my computer. But the game on the TV was the Padres game. And it was a lot of fun. So Juan Soto in his debut, a couple of walks, ends up getting a hit there in his last at bat. Brandon Drury, grand slam in his first at bat. Josh Bell walked a couple of times. But just watching that lineup 
back to back to back. You had Juan Soto, and then it went Manny Machado, and then Josh Bell. Manny Machado raked. He's got more protection in the lineup now. I mean, this team is just a lot of fun. Juan Soto's already having a lot of fun. He was acknowledging the crowd. Slam Diego's the real deal. And it's not it's it's not a joke at this point. It's not, oh, the Padres are going to be the Padres. This team's a force, and you can feel it watching games. And, oh, by the way, Fernando Tatis isn't back yet, but he's on his way. They're not going to win the division. The Dodgers are going to win the division. But the Padres are going to be in the playoffs. And no, who wants to match up with them? Nobody's, nobody's saying, ah, oh, we got an easy, you know, we got an easy first round. It's the Padres. No, Blake Snell has looked fantastic since the All-Star game. He looked really good again on Wednesday night. Yu Darvish is nasty. Uh, Joe Musgrove has been an elite pitcher in the game, just signed a $100 million deal. Congratulations, Joe. Friend of mine, friend of the pod, good dude, $100 million now. That rotation has been why they're so good this year. Now you look at that lineup, you look at the stands. This place is, this is a baseball town right now. San Diego is a baseball town, and you can feel it when you're watching games. So I encourage everybody, not just Padres fans, watch Padres games right now because it is a blast and their lineup is a lot of fun to watch. But watch out for them in the playoffs. Speaking of the Padres, they have a lot of new faces. I knew I'm gonna get I'm gonna this title. We worked we worked on the title for this next segment for a long time. It is new places, same faces. No, no, no. Same faces, new places. You got it. But there's a lot of them in San Diego. And there's also a lot around the league. And they've also made a big splash already. Thank you for the you got it. That was a good little. Thank you. That really helped me a lot. That helped me do it. So there are a lot of new faces and they've all kind of made a big splash already. So first and foremost, that comes to my mind, aside from the Padres, Luis Castillo, who makes his debut for the Mariners in Yankee Stadium, which is a big deal in its own right. If you want to, if you're not a fan of the Yankees out there, you really can't argue that games in Yankee Stadium just have a little bit of a different feel to them. It's just a fact. Luis Castillo makes his debut for the Mariners in Yankee Stadium, throws great six and two-thirds, three earned, eight strikeouts, got the win on the mound. That's what he's there to do. He's there to win big games against good teams. They're going to see them. If you want to win a World Series, if you're the Mariners, which, look, I don't know if that's going to happen, but you got to win games like that. You got to win games against the Yankees, and he did that in Yankee Stadium. He looked fantastic. He said this after the game, Luis Castillo on pitching in a playoff chase. I've only been here two days, but what I can tell from these guys that they're playing to win. So yeah, of course, I'm feeling that energy. A, a player having to say, man, it's nice. The team is playing to win. I don't know if that's great to say. What's going on in Cincinnati? I don't know. Um, really not good there that Luis Castillo had to come out and say, this team's playing to win, and that's a lot of fun. But that's why he was on my list of top five happiest players post-deadline because he went from the Reds to the Mariners, who are clearly trying to win. Scott Service on Luis Castillo. I wasn't the manager here during the vintage Felix Hernandez days, but looking at Felix when he was coming through in his heyday, that's what it reminded me of today. This guy's a dude. He's a number one type starter. He wants the ball. Okay. That's my first time reading that quote. Taylor, let's talk about this. I don't like the Felix Hernandez comparison in Seattle. That's a little, that's a little, I know we're in the moment, but Felix Hernandez is a Seattle legend. I mean, well, I mean, there's not very many other pitchers to compare him to, but I also agree. True. If they had come through there since Felix, that's like, that's our guy. So I get what he's saying. I guess like this is a guy. He's a stud. He's going to be really good. He's a number one, but I don't know. A little bit of a stretch, but whatever. I'll, I'll let it slide there. But Luis Castillo was great in his debut, and that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to go out and win big games. Trey Mancini with the Astros makes his debut. Well, he pinch hit in his official debut, got out. But then the very next day, he starts. He's in the starting lineup. He's batting seventh in the Astros lineup, by the way, which is just speaks volumes to how good the Astros lineup is and how deep it is. But his first hit as a Houston Astro came in his first start, and he got a home run, 
two-run homer to left field into the Crawford boxes. Everybody loves them, some Trey Mancini. So maybe this, maybe after five years of people holding on to something from the Houston Astros, maybe Trey Mancini will be the guy that can come in and make them a little less hated. Probably not because people love holding on to things. But hey, maybe. Trey Mancini is there. He's a great dude, one of the best dudes in baseball. He's a very likable guy, and now he's on an Astros team that not a lot of people love rooting for, but he's a guy you love rooting for. Makes it a tricky situation. Trey Mancini, homer there in his first hit as an Astro. Jorge Lopez makes his debut for the Twins, from the Orioles to the Twins. I have a lot to say about the Orioles. I'm a little – I'll save it. I'm going to save it. We'll talk about them later. Jorge Lopez goes from the Orioles to the Twins, throws a 1-2-3 ninth inning, gets his first save. That's a big pickup for the Twins. They kind of needed pitching help on both sides of it, on starting pitching side and then on the relief side. Jorge Lopez is an all-star. I talked to him there on the red carpet. He was really cool and really excited to be there. Like, one of the most genuinely happy dudes to be there. You know, guys are happy to be all-stars. Jorge Lopez was, like, on cloud nine. And now he gets traded. He's on a team that's in the playoff hunt, gets his first save there for them. And then, of course, some of the other guys around the league that just made some big splashes. So all of these new names that we see in new locations, Josh Hader as well, ninth inning for the Padres, a one, two, three, ninth, ends up picking up a win because they won it in the bottom of the ninth and on his debut. The trade deadline happened. It feels like it feels like it just happened. Well, it did, but it literally feels like hours ago. And already these new players are in their new locations making a big impact on their team. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Baseball is a lot of fun to watch right now. We're in August. We're about to get into the playoff stretch in September and then into October. And baseball is in a great place. And a lot of the reason of that is because of these same faces in new places. Nailed it. (laughs) Moving on. Let's talk about Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom is back. Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher on planet Earth when healthy. Taylor, do you have a problem with that? Do you have a problem with me saying Jacob deGrom's the best pitcher on planet Earth? I think Otani fans have a problem with that, but I have no problem with it. He's electric when he's healthy. Why would you have to bring up Shohei here? I'm trying to celebrate somebody other than Shohei. And then you make me feel bad about saying that he's better, the better pitcher. I'm just giving you the facts. I'm just saying, you know, some people might be upset. Now I'm one of those people. Now I'm upset. (laughs) Jacob deGrom is back. And the New York Mets are in a really good place. I am disappointed in them. I talked about them at the, on the trade deadline episode. They were a loser at the trade deadline. They didn't do enough. They needed to get a catcher. That was their one weakness. They could have also added another bullpen arm. I would have liked to see David Robertson go there. He ends up going to the other NLE's team, the Phillies. They didn't add a catcher. Wilson Contreras was the perfect fit, and they didn't add a reliever, so they were on my the loser side of things at the trade deadline. However, Jacob DeGrom is back, and they are in a better place than they have been all year long. DeGrom is the best pitcher on planet Earth when healthy. His first start back, we knew he wasn't going to go seven, eight, nine innings, but he went five innings, three hits, one earned run, zero walks, six strikeouts, and only 59 pitches. DeGrom hit 102 miles an hour on the gun and averaged 100 with his fastball. In every way but endurance, he looked like his old self. Now the question becomes his ability to do it every fifth game. You know, his last rehab start in AAA, I remember his velocity was like 97, 98, and people were like, oh, man, his velocity's down, which is funny to think about because he throws, he was still throwing 97, 98. But then in his first start back, 59 pitches, sitting 100 and touching 102, Codify tweeted, Jacob deGrom averaged a slider velocity of 92.9 miles an hour last night. It's the highest average for a game this year by any starting pitcher because, of course, it is. An average slider velocity of 92.9 miles an hour. I remember back in my day, a fastball that was 92 miles an hour used to be a big talking point. I hit. 91 miles an hour, the hardest I ever hit on a radar gun in my life, in my career, and I was pumped about it. 
And now Jacob DeGrom's out here throwing pitches that move like a Frisbee two miles an hour harder than I ever threw a pitch. He also threw a 94.5 mile an hour slider. I don't know how that's real, but the Mets have him back. It's good for the Mets. It's good for baseball. He's so much fun to watch since 2018 when DeGrom won his first Cy Young award. He is tied for the fourth lowest run support for any pitcher. The Mets ended up losing that game that DeGrom started to the Nationals. They scored one run. The other pitchers on that list, Sandy Alcantara, 3.29 runs of support. Madison Bumgarner, 4.05. Luis Castillo and Jacob DeGrom. He hasn't gotten a lot of run support, but you have to believe he's going to at some point. This team's so much better, but then he comes back his first start all year long and they score one run for him. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But even without DeGrom this season, the Mets enter Tuesday ranked fifth in starter ZRA, 3.53. They now add DeGrom to a starting rotation where all five starters have an ERA below four. Scherzer's at a 2.13. Walker's at a 2.79. And everybody else, Peterson, Chris Bassett, and Carrasco are in the threes. Jacob DeGrom is unbelievable. I remember a story. I was playing in the Florida State League with the Tigers, and Jacob DeGrom wasn't healthy, and he was going to be rehabbing. And... We heard, and it came over in the clubhouse, that we were going to be facing Jacob DeGrom. And I knew I was starting that day. And I immediately, I remember my first thought being like, cool, I'm going to face Jacob DeGrom. And then it went to not cool. I'm going to go 0 for 4 today. And that's not what I want to do. It turned out DeGrom's start ended up getting pushed back. We ended up facing another big leaguer, but much better than facing Jacob DeGrom. He is back. It's good for the Mets. It is good for baseball. And... If you didn't watch it, you should. And make sure you watch his next start. Next up, last storyline here, Shohei Otani. He started on the mound on Wednesday. He threw really well. What I want to talk about is, for the love of God, get Shohei Otani some help. Please, Shohei and Mike Trout. And I know I talked about this the other day, but I didn't even mean to. I just got sidetracked and went down a tangent now I'm doing it for real. Shohei needs help. Mike Trout needs help. This team has two of the greatest players of all time, and they stink, and that is unacceptable. Figure it out. Shohei the other night, Wednesday night, five and two-thirds innings, two earned runs, seven strikeouts, one walk. He got the loss because the second Shohei gives up two runs, you know they're going to lose. They lost to the A's. He gets the loss, and this is what compelled me to really need to talk about this. It's what Shohei said after the game. He had a few different quotes. Shohei Otani on why he never wants to take a day off. If I'm healthy enough to play, I want to be out there. It feels like I can't really afford to miss games at this point. Well, one... That's a little alarming. The guy's out there pitching and hitting. You would only assume he should get an off day every once in a while. He's now saying, I really, I just feel like I can't take an off day because we can't win. This is me. Shohei would never say this. Paraphrasing the rest of that quote, I can't take an off day because we won't win if I'm not out there. And that's a sad thing to have to think about. So he said that he came out of the game after he finished pitching because there's a little injury he's dealing with. He didn't want to come out of the game, but hey, he said, I, I have to be out there. We're not going to win. He also said in regards to the loss last night, after he threw five and two thirds, punched out seven guys, gave up only two runs, looked really good. He said after the game, we lost and it's because I didn't hit the ball well enough. Are you kidding me? I was like throwing stuff in my house. Can we get this guy some help, please? This guy's out there pitching great, and when he's not hitting, he's blaming himself not hitting for the team losing. This is just remarkable. The Angels are so frustrating. I am so frustrated at the organization as a whole and, and what they did at the deadline. Let's look at that, okay? What were they going to do? Well, they didn't decide to become sellers until the last second. So then you look at what they did. 
Okay. Brandon Marsh was a guy before the season they had touted as the future center fielder of the Angels. Might I add, without even talking to Mike Trout about this, Joe Madden went to the media and said, yeah, I think I want, uh, I'd like to see Mike Trout play a little more left field this year and have Brandon Marsh in center field. Mike Trout's like, well, that's news to me. And no, I'm going to play center field, which is where I belong. Rightfully so, Mike Trout is one of the greatest of all time and should probably be consulted when he's 30 years old. It's not like this guy's 38 and can't move. He's 30 years old, playing a good defense. If Mike Trout wants to play center field, he's going to play center field. So you tout this other guy as the center fielder of the future. You trade him at a low point. I mean, he was hitting 226 on the year. That's when you sell him? Not only did you say he was the future, then you decide to trade him away for prospects but don't get near as much as you could? That's interesting to me. Rysel Iglesias, you pay him four years, $58 million to be the closer. You trade him away. On a month where he had over a six ERA. So now you have two guys. You're selling at a low point. Then you get rid of Noah Syndergaard. I, I just don't understand what they're doing. And I would really like it and appreciate it if they could figure it out so that I, selfishly, can watch Shohei Otani and Mike Trout in the playoffs and so that the rest of the country that doesn't get to see enough of them can watch the two of them win games in the playoffs. Mike Trout has played in one playoff series. One. That is embarrassing to even think about. You have two of the greatest players of all time. You got to figure it out and you got to get in the playoffs. I don't know what they were doing at the deadline. I don't know how to tell him Manassian or, or the owner how to run their team but I would like them to figure it out because hearing Shohei Otani dominate on the mound and then come off and say yeah it's my bad I didn't hit well enough look it shouldn't be on Shohei to pitch seven shutout innings and then hit two home runs every single game can he do it yes absolutely should he have to every single night if they want to win no and that's frustrating to see Whew. I I just get on tangents about the end. I can feel it. It's something inside of me. There's a lot of frustration in there. I get it. There's a lot of frustration in there. Just as a fan of baseball and as a fan of Shohei, I want to see better. So those are the storylines off the top of the show, and it leads well into our next discussion, which is buy or sell. And I believe buy or sell, we're going to be talking about some deadlines. You don't what we got going on here. Well, after after that rant, it's a good segue into the Angels. Okay. Obviously, you talked about they got rid of Syndergaard. You know, they got rid of uh, Iglesias. Some people thought Adele was going to be on the move. So, are you buying or selling what the Angels are doing right now? <laughs> I'm I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell. You sure? What the Angels are doing right now. Yeah, I mean. This one we can spend a little bit less time on because I just spend a lot of time on this. But I am very much so selling what the Angels are doing. If you want to commit to selling off guys and being sellers at the deadline, great. Do it. But commit to it more than an hour before the trade deadline, and then you're not really getting the value you should be. You, you get Brandon Marsh and, and Rysel Iglesias, and you're selling them off at a low point but you had just invested in them in the future of your team. I don't know, man. I know I'm selling. That's all I got. So it leads us to a team that actually went all in on what they were doing, and that's the Reds. They got rid of essentially everybody except for Joey Votto and Moustakas. So Tyler Malley went to the Twins. They're getting the prospects back. You buying or selling what their strategy is. So this is interesting. I am going to buy the Reds deadline this year. But I am tired of I am tired of it. <laughs> Let me explain. It feels like the Reds are going through a rebuild every 3 years. So did they do a good job at this trade deadline? Sure. Have they done a good job at trade deadlines of the past? Sure. But they did do well this year. They got 3 of the Mariners top 5 prospects in a deal with Luis Castillo, which they did a really good job doing that. Noel V. Marte is a big deal. They got him. They did a good job there. And in the Tyler Malley trade, they did a good job as well. Three more top prospects, three top 15 prospects, and 
when it was originally announced, it was three of the top 14, which is just funny to me. So I'm not going to say that. Clearly, the last guy is the 14th best prospect. I'm going to say three of the top 15. So they did a good job, and I tweeted this after. Remember, sellers can be winners too. The Cincinnati Reds are big-time winners at the deadline. But let me make this very clear. If they do this again, if they get good prospects, and then they groom them, and then they sell them off, and it's rinse and repeat, and you just continue to be sellers and continue to be cheap, that is unacceptable. Baseball needs owners that want to win. Baseball needs owners that love the game of baseball. And that might seem like a funny thing to say, but I don't think there's 30 owners out there that are all in love with the game of baseball. I think there's a lot of owners that are in it for the business aspect, which they're great businessmen. And I I respect what they're doing because this is a money-making venture for a lot of them. But we got to have owners that love the game of baseball and that want to win. I don't think there's a lot of... I don't think all 30 teams want to win. I think the Oakland A's are one right now. It's pretty obvious. And I think the Cincinnati Reds are a team that's kind of more about, okay, we'll save some money here. We'll do this. The owner even came out and said himself in regards to fans not being happy. Well, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Are you kidding me? As a guy that runs the team, you're just, you're, you're, clarifying to fans, well, this is what we're doing, but what are you going to do about it? This is what we're doing, and where are you going to go? That's unacceptable. So I'm buying what the Reds did at this deadline, but they cannot get into the same vicious cycle of have a good deadline, bring up players to the big leagues. Hey, this is a good player. Do you want to take them for more prospects? And then rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. We got to see them turn these prospects into good big league players and those good big league players into a good product and a good team on the field. That's my roundabout answer to saying that I'm behind the deadline, but I'm cautious about it. So that leads us to our next team, a team that was a little more perplexing on what they did, a team that has now won three straight, game and a half back of the wild card, Baltimore Orioles. They traded Jorge Lopez and the face of their franchise, Trey Mancini. Are you buying or selling what they're doing? I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in the Orioles. I wish that was an answer. Buy, sell, or disappointed. And I would say disappointed. For the sake of buy or sell, I'm going to sell what the Orioles did. The Orioles, for the first time in five years, were fun. It was fun to watch them. The month of June was the first winning month for the Orioles in five years. How crazy is that? Think about that. They won in June. They were winning in July. They're just outside of a wild card spot. They were having a lot of fun. Trey Mancini was hitting inside the Parkers. The fans were starting to come back. Orioles fans are some of the best fans in baseball when there's a good product out on the field. They show up. They're all wearing black and orange, and it's a lot of fun. It's a crazy atmosphere. Camden Yards is a beautiful, beautiful place, and the life was starting to come back. I just don't know why now is when they decided to sell. You could have been like, you could have sold off Trey Mancini last year, and I get he was a great story last year coming back from surviving cancer and it was a great great story and he won comeback player of the year and and I get all that but why now why now when you're winning games and then you have an all-star closer you have Cedric Mullins who's in fuego you have Trey Mancini playing well you have some good players Adley Rutschman comes up you've been really good ever since the writing's on the wall to be a good baseball team and it's hey I know we're just outside of a playoff spot we're gonna sell we're going to build for the future. I, I don't know. It's just frustrating. So I'm selling because I would have I would have liked to see them be buyers and go for it. But instead, they were sellers, and, and I'm selling them. You're disappointed. We get it. I'm disappointed. So finally, moving on to probably the most perplexing team at the deadline, one of the most story franchises in all of MLB, Chicago Cubs. 
Everyone thought Contreras is going X, Y, Z. Hap's going X, Y, Z. What happens? They both stay, and Robertson, they ship off to the Phillies. So are you buying or selling? This is a hard sell, an easy sell. What are you doing? What? I mean, Wilson Contreras, you haven't locked him up long term. Let's just take a step back to last year. Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Avi Baez, Wilson Contreras. You ship all the other guys out of town. Now it's this year, and it's almost like, oh, we did this to Cubs fans last year. Now we're going to keep on to them. We're going to hold on to them because it wouldn't look good. And we didn't we didn't get enough in the process of, of selling him. What? Why? Like, so now he's going to become a free agent. Are you really saying? Are you really committing to paying him what he deserves and to building around Wilson Contreras, who's one of the best catchers in baseball and definitely an elite offensive catcher. Are you building around him? Is that what they've committed to? It didn't seem like it because they were saying he's available. And then he didn't go because it's just, oh, we didn't get enough for him. Well, guess what? You're not going to get anything for him if he walks in free agency and you don't pay him what he deserves. So you might as well have gotten whatever the Mets were offering to get him because you know the Mets were in. You know the Mets had a weakness at catcher. And now you don't sell. Or sell on Ian Happ. You could have sold high on. I talked about the Angels selling low on a lot of their players that they sold. If you're the Cubs, you could have sold high on Contreras and on Ian Happ. But they didn't do that on either side of things. I was was very disappointed in the Cubs. You committed to a rebuild last year why not just see it through unless you're like re-sign restructure Contreras's contract right now give him his new deal if you weren't going to trade him hold on to him make him your catcher of the future but they're not doing that I don't know what they're doing with Hap so frustrating there from the Cubs perspective I'm selling Ben I lied there is one more team. I was just so excited to hear your thoughts about the Cubs, but we got one more team, and it's the Toronto Blue Jays, who still in the mix of things, but a lot of people think they didn't do enough at the deadline. They got Merrifield from the Royals, and they had some relievers in Anthony Bass and Zach Pop. So are you buying or selling what the Blue Jays are doing? Well, I'm going to sell you ever lying to me again. Disappointing. Um. The Blue Jays are definitely an interesting deadline. I, so they ac- accomplished some things. Bullpen help. I would have liked to see them get some guys in the bullpen. They need, like, strikeout guys. They need swing and miss guys. They add Anthony Bass, who's doing that better than any rate in his career, thanks to his new and improved slider. He's a really good addition. Zach Pop's a good addition as well. They did address the bullpen situation. So... Bear with me here. This isn't my final answer. I'm buying what they did in the bullpen. They needed rotation help. They needed it bad. They didn't really address that. When you look at the Blue Jays as a whole, is their offense good enough to win a championship? Yes. Is their bullpen good enough to win a championship? I would say now, yes, with the additions and a dominant Jordan Romano at the back end of the bullpen. Yes. Is their rotation good enough to win a championship? I think that answer is an absolutely not. And he didn't really go out and address it at all. And then at the last second, you throw in the Whit Merrifield trade, who is admittedly not vaccinated, and apparently they didn't make him say that he would get it. So that confuses me. Like, okay, but he kind of needs to to play all of your home games. You know that, right? So... That was a little weird. And you're also buying a little low on him. He didn't, he's not having a good year. He's not having a typical Whit Merrifield year. So you get him, you get bullpen help, but you do not get rotation help at all. And that, more than anything, is what I think they needed the most. I would have loved to see them go out and get a pitcher. I know they were in on Noah Syndergaard till the end. They didn't get him. They didn't get another starter. And because that was their main weakness, in my opinion, and they didn't address it, I'm going to sell what the Blue Jays did. So 
that is the last buy or sell from teams that we had. Next up is a fun segment, our pick to click. Last week, my pick to click was, it was a hot one. It was that Juan Soto, this time next week, which is now, he will not be a Washington Nationals player. Wow, what a hot take. Wow. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Wow. Really went for it. I did. <laughs> wow. That was, I, I took offense to that. I did. That was kind of a hot take. I mean, it wasn't a for sure. And, and he got moved. So I, I, I did that correctly. You did. Thanks so, to AJ Preller, you know. So now it is pick-to-click time, and Taylor, you have your pick-to-click. I have my pick-to-click. I would like to hear yours first and foremost. Well, sticking with my Padres, shocker, I know. But going real hot take here, Padres, Dodgers this weekend. I'm picking that Mr. No Press Conference, Brandon Drury, will lead the new Padre acquisitions in RBIs this weekend. Okay, that is, I like that. I like that. So he will lead all Padres, and that is not counting his grand slam. That is just no, the no, weekend. It's just the series. weekend, Dodgers, Padres, that's it. Okay, I would also like to follow up on that. That is your pick to click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for those that haven't listened, pick to click is just, it's easy. You pick one thing that you think is going to happen throughout the week, and you go from there. And that is yours. But I would also like to add, it's a big series. Yeah. Padres going to Dodger Stadium yeah. against the Dodgers. They're going to win. Pod, the Dodgers are going to win the division. They're the big, bad Dodgers. This is a new-look team. How do you think the Padres do against the Dodgers this weekend? Yeah, no, I'm going to say we're going to take two out of three, at least. Two I would, out of I would say sweet, but, you know, a lot of people are going to be yelling at me. So two out of three for the Padres. Two out of three, at least. Okay, on to my pick to click. I like mine. Is it hotter than last week's? Or? Oh, this is hot. Last year, at the Field of Dreams game in Iowa, I did the maze that they have set up there. I did the maze in the middle of the cornfield, and I got lost for a long time. Legitimately got lost and could not get out of the maze. I was getting sunburnt. I was drenched in my own sweat. Planes were flying over at one point, and I was crying for help. And I got lost in the cornfields in Iowa. My pick to click this week is that I persevere and I take on those cornfields this year. And not only do I take them on, I persevere and I don't get lost in there. So my prediction is that I do not get lost in the maze in the cornfields and I do it in under 15 minutes. Wow. Yep. Can if you get lost again, can we get like an IG live situation going on there? Just you sitting in the field? It's going to be recorded. Like okay. we're going to, it's going to be recorded as it was last year. Um, so we're going to have it all. It'll be on record. There will be a stopwatch and I'm, I'm not going to get lost. That's my pick. To Do click. you have any inside information, blueprints or I don't. new field? 
I, I, I assume it's going to be, maybe not. And let me tell you, if it's not a new field, that benefits everybody else because I pray that that is not the same maze because I don't know it. I don't know how to get out. I just, that, Man, <laughs> there we have it. What a story. All right, so we're going to move on to fan questions. Uh, we had a bunch, but we're going to pick the best one. Okay. So what is your take on how little the Tigers did at the deadline? Oh, that is a good question. Daniel, thank you for asking. The Tigers, as a lot of you know, mean a lot to me in my life. My brother was drafted by them. I was drafted by them. They, uh, The city of Detroit and the Tigers have meant a lot to me and my family my whole life. So I pay very close attention to the Tigers and talk about the Tigers a good bit. Um, they didn't do a lot at the deadline after saying at the beginning of the year and going out on record and announcing in the paper, a newspaper for those that don't know is something that you can read and find out news. They said in the paper, the rebuild is over. It's done. They have stunk this year and it has not been very good. And now you get to the deadline just a few months later and the GM Alavila goes out and says, everybody's available. Everybody. And then they don't really do anything. Beside Michael Fulmer's move, they don't really do much at all. So my opinion on the Tigers' uh, um, trade deadline is that I'm disappointed. I would have liked to see them move Gregory Soto. I feel like you're selling high on Gregory Soto, uh, all-star year. And then they were talking about Tarek Skubal's available. There's a lot of guys. Everybody was available. I don't know if that means, like, literally everybody. Was the bat boy available? Was the hot dog vendor that was is yells out? You know, his name's Charlie. Is Charlie the hot dog vendor available? I don't know. But they didn't really do much. And their best players didn't get moved. So they didn't get a good return for them. I don't know. Disappointed in the Tigers trade deadline. And I would have liked to see them do more and commit a little bit more to the future. Because now they're just sitting still and didn't really... I don't know. I could go on a tangent here about the Tigers and the direction they're going. But I digress. All right. Heading on to trivia. Just want to preface this. With we're starting slow, building up. I don't. I don't, like, I don't know what that means. We're. Starting I don't want you to pull anything. You know, we're just gonna easy into it. All right. Is it like stretching? So trivia. I've been good. Last week was not good. Last week's trivia. I didn't do well, but I had been good up to that. And as always, at the end, I will grade myself. So let's do it. All right. Starting off easy. Who won the 2012 World Series? The 2012 World Series. Is that easy? It's allegedly 10 years ago. 10 years ago, the 2012 World Series. I mean, who's around that time? 2012 World Series. Allegedly, a couple people. Was it the Royals? It wasn't the Royals, right? It was after that. San Francisco Giants. Oh, I should have known that. Even years. Even years. Yeah, it's all right. That was the easiest one, so we're looking good. good. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm going to give myself an A- minus right now. All right, moving on. Which opposing player all time has the most home runs at Coors Field? What? What? The opposing player all time home runs Coors Field, NL Central, who's an NL Central legend? Uh, NL West, sorry, NL West. Say, yeah. yeah, not NL West. So most home runs all time, NL West. I, I need more time. I'm not allowing this timer to get to me. It has run out, but I'm not saying that's a wrong answer. I, I thought this would be easy for Let you. Let me think through it's this fine. one. I'll NL give you West. Time. We'll give you some more time. Dodgers, maybe like a... It's going to be... It's an opposing player, right? That's Yeah, that's what the question said. <laughs> okay. I'll give you I'll give you a hint. Uh I'll take a hint. You know, maybe one of the greatest hitters of all time. Barry Bonds. There you go. Barry Bonds, 26. I would have gotten. You know, there. the first question, I thought we were gonna segue to the second one. You'd be right there. It's all right. It's all right. It's gonna get harder, so just No. A minus still. Okay, good. I got it. No, that's fine. I got that's it. Fine. And I didn't I knew I would have gotten there. I was thinking Dodgers. I was just gonna take my time to get through it. So you sped up the process. So thank that's you. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Barry Bonds is the greatest hitter of all time, in my opinion, yeah. and you can tell me no other. He played at Coors a couple of times. So. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. That's fine. Let's move on. All right. Please. Who was the last player to hit four home runs in a Major League Baseball game? 
If you need a hint, I'll give you a hint halfway through, maybe. If I'm nice. We're already almost there. So, Mike Cameron did it. I remember watching that. Um, did Bellinger do it? What's my hint? He did it while being on a team in the NL West. He's now in the AL East. Was once a tiger. Was once a tiger. Did it on a team with the NLS and is now in the AL East. Was once a tiger. 2017, he did it. 2017, he did it in the NL West. He's now in the AL. Time's up. I know the time. <laughs> I know the time's up. JD Martinez did it the same year. Two players did it that year. Other one, Scooter Jeanette. I, yeah. How do you think I'm doing? Uh, H minus? Is that a possibility? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, moving B, on. B minus right now. For yeah, 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 moving on. Who to be fair, these these aren't these aren't easy. No, yeah. And I we just... we like to get, when I, when I first was like we should do trivia. It yeah. was like, hey, you know, what player, you know, a month ago did this, and, yeah, and now we're like, and back in 1917, yeah, no. you were doing good. You know, we got to bring it back down. Three finger bit. Brown threw a first pitch strike to what batter? No what? such thing. Okay. All right, moving on. Who has the highest strikeout per nine by a rookie in Major League history? By a rookie pitcher? Yes. Give you a hint. Number two on that list, Kerry Wood. You're giving me a hint by saying who number two is. Yeah, I'm eliminating possibilities for you. Um, Give you a hint, it's a pitcher this year. Hunter Green. Incorrect. Spencer Strider, 13.8. This is tough. Quadzilla. Spencer Strider. Wow. But I did see, I, I saw a record two nights ago about Hunter Green, so that's why that stuck out. But it was incorrect. Spencer Strider is a stud. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's on fire. Keep going. We're going to keep one. going until I get one. Last one. This is by far the hardest one, so <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Okay. Who was the last pitcher to lead both leagues in shutouts in the same season? I'll give you a hint. It's after 2005, so it's not Three Finger Brown. Lead both leagues in shutouts? Yep, both leagues. Hmm. He was mentioned in an interview we did recently. Who? He was what? He was mentioned in an interview we did recently. The answer is CC Sabathia when he was with Cleveland, led the league. Traded to Milwaukee, led the league in the NL. Who's? 2008. Who's putting together these questions? That's me. Why are you setting me up for failure? Hey, you know, I gave you the easy ones. Giants 2012? That's the one I should have gotten. Most home runs at Coors? Come on. I got that one. I mean, you know, a little late, but it's fine. Yeah, better late than never. I got that one. But, like, these are, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back down. You know, we'll get you back up to a B plus at least next time, you know? Okay. I'm proud of you. Thank you. All right, time to grade myself real quick here. I am going to give myself, because I got Barry Bonds. I didn't get any others. But as used to happen in my Spanish class when people didn't do well, if the average grade of the class wasn't very good, that we a little bell curve action. So I'm going to bring my grade up, and I'm going to give myself a just average C. Hey, you passed. A C. I passed. Yeah, that's all that matters. Look, I had two really good weeks, really yeah. good, where I missed, I think, one of like six. And now this is back-to-back -back weeks of struggling. Just like baseball, failure is a part of life. Thank you. All right, before we wrap up, I want to do a segment that um, means a lot, and we're going to walk over here to the board. On Tuesday, Vin Scully, the legendary Vin Scully, passed away. Now, Vin Scully, you know, we talk a lot about goats in sports, the greatest of all time. Vin Scully is the goat. He is the greatest of all time when it comes to telling you and walking you through a baseball game. The greatest play-by-play -play guy of all time has passed away the other night, and 
the outpouring of love and respect from everybody around the league has been incredible. Moments of silence around the league. Dodgers and Giants, moment of silence from in that game, and it was in San Francisco to do it. The Dodgers are wearing the patch. Everybody took to social media. And what was really cool about that is they took to social media to tell their favorite Vin Scully story, to tell a moment, to tell a story that Vin told, or to play some audio from Vin Scully back in the day that they forever remember. And I really appreciated it, and I thought it was a cool way to honor the greatest of all time. So I'm going to tell my favorite. I'm going to tell my favorite Vin Scully story, and it comes from a story he told when it was way back in the day, early on in his career. But it was early on in a day, and his day had wrapped up. He was getting ready to, to walk home, and he remembered that there was a tryout that day for a young guy that he had never heard of. He walked down. He wanted to check out the tryout, and he walked down, and he thought, ah, the, the pop of the mitt's not very good. And, you know, this will probably be the last I ever see of this guy. Walked away. The Dodgers ended up signing that guy. Then Scully would go on to call his games for years and years, and he would go down as one of the greatest of all time. That guy was Sandy Koufax. And Vince Scully tells that story so incredibly. It is one of my favorite he ever told. But there are millions and millions of stories that we are all left from this guy, Vince Scully. And that is how I wanted to end this show. So I hope you all enjoyed it. This has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. Thank you all for listening. The Thursday episode is always a lot of fun. It is live. It is interactive. And I appreciate you all listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever it may be. We're also on all social media. Check it out there. We have a lot of fun. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube as well is where you can watch every episode. So I hope you all enjoyed this one. It was a lot of fun, and I will see you tomorrow for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.